Hello and welcome to episode 71 of the Destroy the Brain podcast. My name's Andy Triefenbach. I'm Niles Maddox. And I'm Rin Maddox. And today we're going to be talking about the Susan Tyrell extraordinary performance in Butcher Baker, Nightmare Maker, also known as Night Warning. Oh. Oh, yeah. What? We'll get into it. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. Um, hey, how's everybody doing? Hopefully uh, the people that played our horror trivia night had a good time. It was hell because I had to <laughs> manually calculate everything because the app fucked up because we had a team spread out across multiple states. That was such a <laughs> sounds gross like you sound. Just, it just sounds like you, you just, just took a, something. Yeah, took a teeth in your mouth and just slurped some like gogurt out of it. Lots it's of a uh, Schlafly coffee stop that I'm drinking. He sounds like he's drinking gogurt. I'm not gonna lie, just. <laughs> <laughs> from the teat. Anyway, so thanks for joining us and playing along on Horror Trivia Nights. Uh, everybody should have gotten the email in the third and second and first place on the winners uh, on what prizes they can pick. We have plenty of them, so congratulations again to Team Glazer. First place. I nice. think they were uh, first place on in October as well. I thought that was G-Laser. G laser? No, I'm pretty sure it's Team Glazer. Yeah, she's so don't listen. Agree to disagree. Son of a bitch. But anyway, um, yeah. So good job on that, I guess. Yeah, Jeremy and I just kind of ran it. It was interesting doing the the show down here and with the webcam and being recorded and watching yeah. people. Didn't could you watch people also? Too? Well. No, we couldn't watch it. Oh, I thought maybe like they were live streaming. But like a Zoom? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. It was was just that we broadcast out to Twitch. Mm. And what was cool is the app actually now allows embedding the live stream from Twitch. Nice. So in between the rounds, I can basically maximize the video on the screen if you're playing mobile. And uh, yeah, it kind of worked a little better, but... Well, the one thing we didn't know is that if a team with multiple players starts playing and then some of them drop out and say, oh, only one person should answer, it fucks up the score. Okay. So that's why we had to recount it over the weekend. Oh. Yeah. And then Jeremy was like losing his shit watching everybody answer in real time. He was like, this is like election results. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, over. He's probably just more trivia. interested. <laughs> but yeah, it, was, it, it yeah. seemed okay. Trivia, like election results on the Wishmaster 3 thoughts and bullshit. <laughs> or Leprechaun. God. Lots of Leprechaun. Lots of Leprechaun. Questions. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it seemed like a good time. We'll probably do it again in July. Um, we kind of talked about it after we had like a little after show and. I don't know. Part of my hope is that maybe we can do some sort of hybrid version where it's online for those of people that want to stay at home and play or maybe aren't in St. Louis and then possibly have the show going on at the heavy anchor like we used to do. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, it's July, which... You know, I always say we got plenty of time, but it's really only three months. Yeah, so it always comes around the corner. Yeah. <laughs> As Ren looks at me, I'm like, it's like you guys out. have a whole quarter. <laughs> you have a whole quarter. Uh, social media. Follow us on Twitter 
at DTB Horror, Instagram at Destroy the Brain. Uh, you can also join our Discord group, which is discord.destroythebrain.com. You type that in the browser, it'll get you there. Uh, we're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash destroy the brain. And our group, which is kind of, um, I'm, we touched upon it last episode. It's pretty much dying out. Yeah. Just because I think Discord's a little. I feel better. like, you know, it's pretty steady. Yeah. You know, there's usually, uh, it's definitely, the, if you want to keep up with us, I feel like that's the best way to do it. Cause like, I mean, I even follow it sometimes just because I don't know what's going on. Cause yeah. I come on and be like, Oh, Oh, they've been talking all day. And I've, yeah, it's just, it's nice. I think it's more of the community building that I'm kind of interested in. Yeah. Well, and we need it right now because we haven't seen a lot of people. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, other than that, let's just go ahead and uh, get into what we've been watching. Sure. What have you been watching? Um, for a second there, I thought you were like waiting for the music. He's no, like, oh. no, you're you're good, man. Um, I'm gonna, you know what? I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna talk about Darkness Falls. I'm gonna do it because <laughs> so the I worst dollar ever. This spent. is a, this no, is, it was more than a dollar. No, it's right? three bucks. Yeah. I spent three dollars on this movie. Um, so basically, if you listen to the last episode, you'll notice that we had talked about cherry falls and I, I think we talked about the story about how you had purchased it, hadn't opened it yet. Yeah. And I was like, Oh yeah, I remember that one. And in my <laughs> own mind, I remembered it as the tooth fairy movie, which obviously it's not. And I actually hadn't seen cherry falls. I actually really dug it. Um, I think you Ren, you talked about it, didn't you? Yes. So yeah, it was nice. I, I dug it cool movie uh of the late 2000s or late 90s nonsense you know whatever yeah um but yeah so i went back and i was like well i gotta i gotta get darkness falls i gotta see what kind of piece of shit this is <laughs> it's a piece of shit yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh i saw this in theater and i was i would say in early 20s and i might have been drunk when i went to see it in the theater so it might have been better then but I think time has not done this one well. No. And it definitely probably wasn't even good the first time I saw it. So great premise. Uh, it's a cool story. It could have been a great story. It's a, you know, especially nowadays when you see so many things about like night terrors and how like we're identifying like what the causes are when it's actually just like a physical thing. Mm -hmm. um, it kind of plays into some of that which is nice because it's like an early uh, sense of like, um, was it night paralysis and stuff? Yeah. Sleep paralysis. Sleep yeah, that's paralysis. What I'm thinking. Is that what the movie's about? No, but it's like if they would have gone the right route, it could have been the best. If they that. were a little more creative. Yeah, I it. just, it's one of those things. It's like it start and I even like the opening of it uh, with like, you know, the scary thing and, you know, the teeth are creepy. Yeah. It's a cool story. And then it just goes in its own stupid directions and the acting is awful well and i think a lot of people back in the day i mean the only reason why that was on a lot of radars for horror fans yeah. was because mcfarlane made the tooth fairy figure as yeah. part of his movie maniacs line oh right? really yeah and i want to say it was also in fango but <clears throat> i mean that time in fango was pretty 
commercial, so that didn't really necessarily mean anything. It was just mainly that Todd McFarlane was doing a monster. It's, so it's like, oh, you're putting it in the pedigree of like these classic monsters that you've already done, like sure. aliens, pumpkin head, stuff like that. So we're like, oh, well, maybe McFarlane knows the, something. Yeah, they're already jumping the gun on this. This could be good. Um, the other thing I didn't like uh, was the fact that it had this amazing, like, foggy New England town mm -hmm. lighthouse thing. And, like, they barely played on that. Like, <laughs> yeah. it was such a cool setting. And, like, they, everything about it is just, like, wrong decision after wrong decision. It seemed. <laughs> they focused on characters that I didn't care about. Um, and then when. I haven't seen it in a while. Yeah. But from what I remember seeing it, A, I didn't really care for it. But B, it also seemed like a movie that had a lot of studio interference, possibly. Maybe. And they were trying to make a franchise type film. Yeah. And the director or the creatives involved in the story were just like, let us tell the story. Yeah. Don't treat it like a franchise. So I, I don't know. It's been a long time since I've seen it. And I mean, that's not very favorable with you. So I, you know, well, that's the thing though, but I do still think, man, that could be an interesting story. <laughs> yeah. So like, I'm not even mad that I own this because God knows I'll get, you know, we'll be hanging out or I'll be bored one day and I'll watch it again. I will. Cause I want this scary tooth fairy story. Like mm -hmm. that sounds amazing to me. The tooth fairy comes well, to also, steal. Wasn't that PG 13? Yeah, dude, it was yeah, totally so what, yeah, yeah. what was the whole the whole story in this movie? I mean, uh, technically, it's like, okay, so, a, a, well, it's the story of a witch, you know, the normal <laughs> story of a witch. So, but she's she's not really a witch, obviously. Right. But uh, then they make her out and they kill her. So then she does come take her revenge. Kind of like, basically, she's Freddy like Blair, well, well, also the Blair, Witch. Blair Witch. Yeah. yeah, she's the Blair Witch, basically. But also the Tooth Fairy. Yeah. I don't understand. But I, I don't know. But, uh, you know, and then, she, yeah, she takes her revenge on the, the, the children of the children of the children, yeah, the ancestors. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, That's it's the, it the classic witch story. Like, you know, the ghost of a witch is, is going to haunt your generation. Right, right. Your family. It's She's going after family. Did you watch? Yeah, it is Hocus Pocus. Did you watch the, You watched this with me? I was just trying to get you to tell the story of the movie so that oh, sorry. we could yeah. know what was going on. Because otherwise I, you know. it was just you guys saying your opinions. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, okay, cool, but what's it about? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean... Because I was like, did I watch this, this movie? Ryan is also a know. producer on this podcast. I really just feel like... <laughs> I honestly feel like the movie doesn't have much story. It's just dialogue that I could give a shit less. Right. And it's segment to segment. And honestly, most of it really kind of looks and reminds me of Jeepers Creepers because yeah. it's got like the car huh. chase scenes and like, yeah. like she's kind of like the floaty thing that just CGI's on top of everything. And hmm. well, I mean, I would maybe be interested in rewatching it just to see like that as a time that's when horror what where horror was Going. at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it, the I'm, the CGI is god awful. <laughs> the, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm I'm in no rush. I got plenty of other. Movies, I mean, you can borrow you know. my my DVD. No, it's great. Ain't gonna ain't gonna cut it, brother. Um, yeah, no, I don't. I hate ripping part movies, but I had to just follow up to <laughs> to explain that I yeah. finally got to it. And <laughs> no, no, that's a that's a no for me, dog. <laughs> All right. Ram, what do you got? Last night we did a fun rewatch of Bad Ben. <laughs> uh, we watched it on Amazon and I I honestly liked this movie a lot more watching it again. 
I especially like the first one a lot more after having seen some of <laughs> the sequels that come yeah. after. Um, the sequels are not good and I do not suggest them. He's funny to an extent, the main character. Right. Um, but the first movie is really where it's at. Guy buys a house, which is haunted. <laughs> and, you know, you just see him experiencing that with all of the security cameras yeah, around he's, his house. Yeah, he's going to he's going to flip this pretty much ready to key. key he's going to make a fortune. Well, yeah, it's like he, a turnkey home. It's ready to go. It's even got <laughs> furniture in it. And it's basically like, yeah, you know, I just bought it all. It's all and the, the family just disappeared and blah, blah, blah. Nobody told me nothing. And, right. But yeah, no, it's one of those things like she was saying, like it, the sequels do nothing. They don't do the first one justice because it's this magic mess of like guy really trying hard to make like a film for himself. Well, yeah, like behind and, the scenes. You're right. talking about behind the scenes. What yeah. I didn't like in the sequels is that he added the CGI, which yeah. I think the first movie, which was much more effective without the CGI. I liked that we didn't see things. I mean, it does have some CGI, but it's, right, it's, but it's subtle. Not, it's subtle. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like the writing in the ashes. Yeah. 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 That was fine. Um, and but then he's like, was, but he's like funny naturally too. Yeah. J him just being yeah. like kind of a curmudgeon, you know, curmudgeon, whatever. I can he, say he words. He seems like the type of dude that works a normal nine to five job oh, and yeah. is told by his office buddies that he's really funny. And then he's like, well, I always wanted to make movies. Maybe I can make a horror movie where I show off my funnies i'm not gonna speculate on his private life uh, i want to i i want to naturally <laughs> believe that he's just this old guy who just like bitches about shit constantly and just like like bitches about movies yeah or? like god damn it i bought this house i put my life savings uh, in this <laughs> you get out of here <laughs> you know just and then <laughs> i like how i sent you the video last night of just him like running around with yeah. like a crucifix trying to bless the house and i was like right. every time live ren leaves the house <laughs> niles was just doing the little flounder flop on the couch <laughs> all night while we watched that movie he was so terrified that movie that's got that some just good makes me laugh though it's got some good jump scares i don't know it's got some decent ones but the, i think the fact that you just kind of like you really drop your guard with that character in the way he does it. Yeah. Because it feels so real well, yeah, because it's a very thin layer of like fiction. Yeah. Right? The house reminds me of a girl that I grew up with, like her, okay. her mom's like shitty decorating, you know, just <laughs> yeah. like overstuffed traditional like, uh, furniture. Kirkland's and, and right. Just like super basic stuff that's home. been around the house since the eighties and nineties, mostly purchased like right around the time mom and dad got married, you know, right. and that's just kind of what's always stayed around the house. Just nothing really cute. None of the walls are painted. Everything's like super basic and boring. Yeah. And so it felt very relatable. There's just like shit all over the place. It's not super and staged. I, and I perfect. think that's exactly. I think that's some of the charm of it. Yeah. And the reason why it's actually successful. I like, <laughs> so I don't, I don't, um, think I would like the character in real life, obviously, but I love that he calls the real estate agent and he's like, Hey, you didn't tell me that like people died here. Yeah. And then he's just like cussing the lady out. And I, at first I was like, from a customer service standpoint, that sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> but like also being that guy, like, yeah, I'm not necessarily going through houses thinking, were people murdered here? Excuse me. 
Was anybody well, murdered it, in this house? I mean, don't real estate agents have to tell so, you no, that? So no, he though? says he in the said movie, in New, New Jersey you have to ask uh, in order yeah. to be told. It's like that's right. He does cover. Yes. Don't ask, okay. don't tell. Right. Yeah. Right. No, because that's great too. Anyway, anyway, yeah. I'm I'm really glad that we rewatched this. I think it's no, I think a that first movie. one's solid. It's a good movie. The, I think it's solid. The story scares me. I don't and know. The fact that's so scared. Well, also, I think I appreciate that movie more because, look, let's be honest, it's not like anything that's going to blow anybody's socks off, I don't think. But it's terrifying. I think the fact that this one man basically made a movie by oh, himself yeah. is just kind of interesting. Yeah, like a single actor in a house by himself. Yeah, he's like, well, I got a good couple of GoPros. I can just act like this right. is my security system. Right. And I got a movie. It was effective. Thank you, Paranormal Activity. Yeah. So. And like something else that I love is that he's just constantly like, what's that? Ugh, what's that smell? Yeah. Let me get my shitty Febreze. That'll fix it. Like generally if there's a smell, you have to clean something. Right. So it's just like, here's a bandaid. <laughs> but yeah. Okay. So that's a uh, bad Ben, which you can get on Amazon. Prime. That is streaming. Yes. Yeah. Um. All right. So I, <laughs> we watched after talking about, um, Forbidden Zone last episode, which is essentially what prompted us to watch the movie that we're covering. We watched Shrunken Heads, <laughs> the full moon joint that was also directed by Richard Elfman, the director of Forbidden Zone. We watched that pretty shortly after we recorded last episode, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, because I got the Blu-ray. <laughs> yeah, it was the Friday after we recorded. Okay, I got the Blu-ray, and I'm like, let's fucking crack it open. Oh, we, we did watch it. <laughs> and uh, it was weird. That's a weird movie. It, it's like it wants to be a kid's movie, not a but kid's then movie. there's like, you know, death involved in our main characters. Uh, and then there's that weird scene where the head flies into the room and like kind of smooches kind of you mean no. the part where yeah. they do actual <laughs> where he goes through her blouse Let, let's let's talk about <laughs> there is definitely some minor situations going here yes that are uh, not even like uh raise an eyebrow it's like you can't do that mm -hmm. um it's literally like a it's little... all shot on like um I, uh, the paramount lot yeah right? oh that yeah that's... because you do see the water tower in the background yeah <laughs> And it was also funny watching this movie. I'll tell you why. Like the movie itself is fine. It's okay. It's quirky enough to be memorable, but there are definitely some questionable things that we're talking about here. But what was interesting about this movie, watching it with you, you had no clue about full moon. No. And like, for me, that was my opportunity, even though like right now don't really care for the company. Don't really care for Charles band and his antics and like money schemes. But there was a time that I loved those movies because they were just put out by Paramount. And I, I told you how they like struck a deal with Paramount right. essentially for home video. And it was just kind of fun watching all that stuff with you. And then we watched like the video zone and you didn't know what the fuck a video zone yeah, was. Yeah, I mean, because the only thing <laughs> I knew is that, you know, at that point in my life, I was literally like standing in the horror aisle just looking at the covers. And Puppet Masters were always the most interesting to me. I always wanted to see those. Um, I did get to see the first one 
at a younger age, but everything else. Yeah. It's just, those were always, I get why you would have rented yeah. them because I would have rented them, but my mom would but drag mom me out of that aisle yeah. and I'd end up, re, you know, princess bride again, okay. renting that one a thousand times. Knowledge. <laughs> or Ghostbusters too. That was another Yeah. One. Well, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was just kind of fun. Like I had like one of those, uh, very, fun moments where it's like oh it's like i'm at a slumber party with my best friend and pretty much telling him about this well, thing did you know yeah did you know um that movie so it's it's like a half and half i really dug the first half and then yeah it kind of just goes batshit off the rails and it reminded me a lot of like tales from the hood kind of yeah kind of <laughs> because it had like this like but that's also what i liked about it is there there's some diversity it's I think. more of appropriation because it's like, okay, here's the black guy. Of course, he's a voodoo daddy, mm. you know? <laughs> okay, oh, that character, scared, yeah. Like that character, Isn't yes. he blind, too? Uh, no, but I think he's got a king. Oh, okay, he does or, have a king. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. He's got some sort of um, disability. Okay, so it's like, the beginning of the movie, it's like, oh my god, this might actually be badass because it like re- legit feels like a Goosebumps movie yes like a well done goosebumps episode you're just like damn this is awesome and then all of a sudden it's like okay now your main characters are dead they got killed children they got shot down in the street shot down by gangsters in the street like (laughs) but not in like how you would actually see like boys in the hood kind of like killed in the street it's more like roger rabbit like yeah because it's at the paramount lot so it just looks like you're watching robert roger rabbit with like hey stick him up and then he's like bang bang yeah and there's dead kids and then the or today's act at six flags and then the voodoo guy who's like the the comic book dealer on the street cuts their fucking heads off and turns them brings them back for due to do revenge right and from that point on the the movie lost me i just like what <laughs> the fuck and then they got these little boys heads going in this like little girl's shirt and like it's it's not cool like it's a it's, it's real a very creepy. strange movie it's real creepy <laughs> um and i honestly don't remember the ending because i just remember them just doing they kind of kept it open heinous shit it was like basically christine but like with shrunken heads instead of a car <laughs> Because they have as much mobility as Christine, (laughs) but they had like each one had their own superpower. Yeah. Dude. It's it's, a weird movie. It's off the rails. I don't know if I'll, I don't know. I kind of want to watch it one more time. I think so. My thing is, I I appreciate, I get it. It's fun. I would totally get drunk and watch this. If they would have just clipped out those parts that aren't even important, but definitely would be considered controversial at this point. I don't think it would hurt anything about the movie. And I just think it's something that they should probably look at because it's like, it's like, this is not good. (laughs) Just release the millennial edit. Yeah. Yeah. Or something. (laughs) Anyway, shrunken heads, shrunken heads. Maybe a recommend. I don't know. I think it's I, that's the thing. It's fucking hilarious and it's batshit. But yeah, I, I kind of felt greasy afterwards. <laughs> what what stuck with me was like he did come home and tell me that he felt dirty. Yeah, it's like you know, it, honestly, it's a lot like kids. Like when I first time I saw kids, I was like, man, it's kind of fucked up, right? It's yeah. Just me. I mean, <laughs> it's, okay. it's a reality, but like, especially in the context of this movie, because it's so cartoony. Yeah. It's like, it's not like And the music real. is very cartoony. Yeah, because yeah, it's Elfman. He's like, just, well, well no. Elfman only, did the theme. 
Uh, I forget who did the the main. Same guy who did like Spoiler. Happy Gilmore, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> all right, Trunk in the Head. It's cool. What what else did you? Watch? Um, so I actually rewatched uh these. Yeah, I want. I'm doing all rewatches. I don't know why, but uh, I. <laughs> I've just been in that mood. Whatever. I've been like going back and being like, you know what? I'm going to check this out again. Um, I watched the Beaver Trilogy Part 4, which is actually a documentary about a uh, group of movies. I guess they're short films that were filmed by a young fledgling college student who was also working at a news channel in Utah in like the 70s or early 80s maybe I think it was the 70s a lot of Olivia Newton-John so um but basically this is a look at the it's a goofy story the story goes like this there is a a news anchor a news cameraman who's outside testing his camera and a young man is outside taking pictures of the studio the young man sees the the cameraman goes oh Am I going to be on TV? And the the young man's very handsome and charismatic and is like, basically starts just doing impressions. And the cameraman's like, oh, this is amazing. I'm going to eat this up. This is great. So he keeps shooting this guy. Well, he keeps shooting him for about (laughs) two to three hours. Follows him back to his car, which is like has nice etchings of Olivia Newton-John and like uh, Farrah Fawcett and things. So basically this guy's just like gold. He's like one of the most interesting characters the cameraman had met. Later on, I think it's like maybe a week later, he gets an invite to this boy's uh, like local talent show. The cameraman shows up with actually some more news crew because he's like, you know what? This guy's crazy interesting. We might have a scooper, at least something interesting for this segment. Um, They show up and this is late 70s. So this man is dressing like a woman and he's going to perform as Olivia Newton-John. So at that time in the small town in Utah, that's a very controversial thing to do. And as a cameraman, he saw potential in that. And so he filmed it. It was pretty odd. Everyone at the uh, the place where they, they were actually filming the, the location at the talent show were pretty weirded out. And it, it got it got to be like a local thing where he was kind of noticed as this guy's a little odd. And we didn't yeah. think he was this odd. Um. Then this the documentary itself gets into like, okay, post this. What's this documentary guy been doing? And he actually ends up going and having a career. He uh, ends up working with like Crispin Glover mm-hmm. and they make a movie called Ruben and Ed. Ruben and Ed. And and another things. He he's not necessarily a failed director, but he did have some cult hits later on once they got on VHS. But he considers himself, I think, a failure in cinema. And he yeah. went on to just become like a documentary style filmmaker, or at least he does like true to form, like travel kind of yeah. stuff. Okay. Um, but the interesting thing is he didn't give up on the story because he actually wanted to remake it in film, and he didn't make it once; he made it twice. Yeah. So he made it the first one he shot. It was with um, Sean, Sean, Penn. Sean Penn, yep. who was like baby shoes. He wasn't even in Fast Times at this point. Well, he was coming from the set of Fast Times. The way they made it out in the documentary that he would I be thought. later. No, no. The late, they okay. said that he would later appear in Fast Times. And that's actually like how he ended up being okay. able to remake it one more time with Crispin Glover. Mm-hmm. And um, then Crispin Glover ended up going to back to the future. So okay. it was basically 
this weird set of tapes that didn't really mean anything to anyone, but he just kept making it over and over again. The problem that where, where the problem lies is that while making these movies, he realized he didn't have a final story. There's no ending. There's no abrupt. It's just watching a guy get weird in front of a cameraman. Yeah. So what he ends up making a script that at the end of it, the guy who dresses up like a Olivia Newton, John goes home, puts a gun in his mouth. And that's pretty much right. Yeah. But the true story is the real person who ended up dressing up did actually put a gun to his chest, shoot himself in the chest and pretended like he wasn't shot in the chest and went downstairs and had like breakfast with his father yeah. and then finally told his dad that I said I shot myself in the chest. I need to go. And then he never did anything after that. He went right. back home and just pretended like he never did it. He like hid from his family. It's like a super compelling story. It is. And it is. it's just such an odd thing that somebody who was a filmmaker could obsess over something. And the question is, was he obsessed over it because he felt guilty for putting this boy in the situation? And that's really what the documentary gets into. Are you know, do you feel at fault for this guy's life being the way it is? Right. Or is you are the only person that ever gave this guy an opportunity? So I think if you haven't seen it, it is streaming. Um I is think, it on Hulu? I think I saw it on Hulu uh, or Prime. Hulu. <laughs> that's a whistle. Or Prime. But Hulu. uh yeah, I I it's I've seen it twice and both times I really dug it. I remember it was one of those docs that came or around. Maybe this. it's on Netflix. Maybe well, it's Beaver Trilogy Part Four. Yeah, I think it's on Netflix. I remember watching this around the same time I saw uh, Winnebago Man, which I also <laughs> recommend because that's fucking hilarious. But uh, yeah, I talked a long time. Sorry, I just I really, the fucking I, I really dig that story. I think it's super interesting, and I think if you if you really if you got an interest from no, me just talking about it, check it out. It's super cool, um, and I really think you know it's kind of sad, but at the same time, it kind of shows where we are as humans and how we can react to crisis and, you know, dealing with other people's, you know, causing trauma to others. Right. So cool. All right. Ren, what did you watch? Watch Dolores Claiborne. Something I've been meaning to watch. It's solid. I saw it before when I was a kid but, and but I remember, right? right. I remember not understanding all of the themes when yes. I was a kid. I knew that it was bad stuff, obviously. Um, but watching it as an adult was definitely like, oh, God. Uh, but yeah, really good movie. Love Kathy Bates. It was fun watching this as it's a Stephen King and just seeing some of the similarities to some of his other work. How like, was Jennifer Jason Lee, though? Was that the daughter? Yeah. She was great. She was good. Okay. Yeah. I remember seeing this in the theater. Which, wait, which which version of the daughter? Oh. Sorry. Well, she's on the cover. She's the main character in the movie who is so Kathy Bates. so the adult or yes. the do- the baby girl because there were two actors i haven't seen it in so long you dick not the baby yeah, dick. no i'm not judging the acting of a baby hold on I, i'll go get the blu-ray jennifer jason lee uh, the main character I'm the daughter you one day who's the writer oh, it's right we'll here. record it See. the journalist right they'll have this right to look back on See. too here, let me show you. See, so this is uh, this is Kathy Bates. This is Jennifer Jason Lee. I will leave. <laughs> See, 
She looks. I'll take the dog. I actually hate her in this movie. So really? Oh yeah. Okay. No, she's annoying as fuck. I haven't seen Dolores Claiborne since the theater. When did that movie come out? Ninety. It was after Misery. Um. No. I. It's really for me. It was like nails on chalkboard because you had Kathy Bates, who's like phenomenal, and then you had her, who's just like yeah, five. I don't know. She gets better towards the end when she really starts putting more emotion into it. But like being the sny little, you know, sassy lady in the beginning, I just I like she's driving me nuts. I really enjoyed seeing the similarities between this and other Stephen King stories, such as Misery, like the older lady that the character Dolores takes care of, has small porcelain figurines all over the place that she finds great comfort in. The character Dolores has a scrapbook that she will take with her to the grave. Like, good luck taking that from her cold, dead hands, just like the character in Misery did. Did you see Needful Things? No. Okay. Well, there's there's a character that is obsessed with, like, porcelain. Mm. And I think Needful Things came out before Dolores Claiborne. So... If you, when you watch Needful Things, I think they nail the setting, like both of these movies nail the Stephen King main setting. Oh yeah. It definitely felt like they are on an island in Maine. Yeah. Isolated. Yeah. Um, yeah. I definitely want to see this. The same island that Storm of the Century takes place on. Oh really? Yes. Mm. <laughs> Little tall island. Yeah, I've been meaning to watch this for fucking uh ever. And one of these days I will. But yeah, this was like right after uh Misery, whenever Kathy Bates won. And this is directed by Taylor Hackford. I forgot about that. Hackford directed um an officer and a gentleman against all odds. Um, but he also did the Chuck Berry documentary, Hail, Hail, Rock and Roll. Uh, and Blood In, Blood Out is this like 93 film that it's actually really good. But um, yeah, he also went on to direct The Devil's Advocate after Dolores Claiborne. Is that and with Kristen Ray. Dunst? No. Is it? Google that the, shit. The Keanu Reeves and Yeah, Al Pacino, but. You've seen it? We watched it. He's like a lawyer. He goes and I was thinking of the devil's arithmetic. Oh, okay. That's what I was thinking. That That one's about the Holocaust and Passover. Well, that's not this movie. Nope. Not at all. (laughs) It's about a. Oh, we totally did watch the devil's advocate. That was a good one. Yeah. I mean, it had some some dated stuff, but it was a good one. Yeah. The CGI ain't great, but, um, yeah, I've been very interested to, revisit Dolores Claiborne. I think it's, you know, it's one of those I things. I also remember getting very depressed. Yeah, it's so, I will say for a Stephen King movie, even though I'm not saying his stuff's light, but it's pretty f- it's fucking pretty heavy. heavy. It yeah. reminded me a lot, honestly, like Green Mile, like kind of heavy. Yeah, like mm. light on the horror and heavy on the drama. Lots of fucking. But there's some hope in Green Mile. Right? <laughs> yeah. Like some of the characters until that fucking asshole comes in. And right. Everything but I'm just like- saying like it has these like it's just really heavy, man. I mean, there's mild redemption mm. at the end of Dolores Claiborne, I guess. Shaw, but Shaw I think Shankers. as a movie, I didn't really understand it because, again, I saw it when. So yeah, if no, it came out in 95, a, it was like I was 14. Yeah, years you old. would have wouldn't even have liked it. Why would you like this movie? Because it was Stephen King. Yeah, but it's not a Stephen King movie. 
like the way you would have liked it when you were 14. I get what you're saying. There's no dead yeah. cats that come alive. But my mom wanted to go see it, and I'm like, oh, it's a Stephen King movie. I'll go see it. And I'm sure your mom liked it. And we both liked Misery a lot. Because it's got... The hobbling, bro. Well, yeah, but that wasn't was that, that wasn't why scary, I was watching though. Stephen King movies. The Stephen King stuff is like he always crafted interesting characters, or like there was always something interesting or appealing to Stephen King stories. When I was younger, when I was younger, I was just like, "Is it scary? Is it scary?" <laughs> I don't give a shit about character development. Uh, okay, give a fuck less. I watched Thundercats, bitch. <laughs> yeah, Thundercats is horrible. Yeah, it's um, pretty bad. But, but Kathy Bates was phenomenal in this movie, okay. and you should definitely watch it. Yeah, I'm kind of excited. Maybe I'll uh, bring that upstairs. Be like, hey, you want to get depressed? All right, you uh, want to get real sad? You want to get real sad? Um, yeah, the other movie that I watched, I, I mean, I watched a few and you can follow me on Treefy T-R-I-E-F-Y to see all that I watched. Um, this one's a panic, fe- a panic fest screener. This is red screening, also known as the last matinee. It is a, um, Spain or Argentinian film. Um, that reminds me a lot of the Spanish film anguish with Zelda Rubenstein yep. uh, or Rubenstein. I, I always forget which one it is. Um, Steen. <laughs> but basically the deal with this one is that there are people watching a movie and then there's a killer that comes into the movie theater, locks everybody in and like tries to take them out one by one. And it's, it's fashion, very stylish. Uh, the beginning actually reminds you, they have like an overhead shot, following this car that is pretty much a direct homage to Fincher's Zodiac. Okay. Where it just like the car doesn't move. Mm -hmm. Right. It just, it's perfectly in sync with the car and it turns and everything throughout the city. Um, It's a very stylish movie. It kind of tries to lend a little bit of its color scheme and visuals to like Giallo films. So I was like, Oh, this is going to be right up my fucking alley. I was very lukewarm on it. I didn't really care for it all that much. I thought that the story, I mean, there's really no great motive behind the killer. Um, and it's all set in a movie theater. I thought it, this would have been a home run. Like, Gialli, got it. Home, you know, theater, a really gorgeous theater. Yeah, you're a, a sucker for a theater movie. I, you really yeah, do like, like all of those. Usually, Popcorn, fucking, yeah. Usually that will just elevate any movie. Right. Like, okay, you just don't have to be dog shit. Not saying that this one was dog shit, but I heard a lot of positivity talked about this movie and I thought it was okay. I mean, it, it, there's scenes where it is very excessively violent, um, that might appeal to people. So like when you mean like killer, like I get what you're saying with killer with no reason. So like, um, uh, terrifier because that kind of yeah, killer yeah, like yeah but or it's, this New, isn't New York, that gory. New York Ripper like it's just a killer who sure. has no reason and right. it doesn't matter and it's right. not ever going to come out yeah he's just this weird guy that collects eyeballs as well oh. which is what reminds me of anguish and yeah. he pickles them is my guess anyway like the whole end scene what happens Ew. to this killer is just very phoned in it's like telegraphed throughout the whole fucking movie it's a very predictable movie in my opinion 
I, I don't know. I was just very, it's worth watching if you're a sucker for movies that take place in the movie theater. Um, but honestly, like if you're going to watch this and you don't watch anguish, anguish is the movie you need to watch. Yeah. Absolutely love and adore that movie. And I hope that I I watched it when release, I feel like I watched it streaming. Yeah. And on shutter and it was like, yeah, I think it was on shutter, but like I wasn't in a mood. It was too slow moving at the time I was watching it or something. I just couldn't get into it. So I didn't. Oh, you didn't. So you didn't watch it in the backyard when I showed it. I don't think so. Oh, Okay. That was like, it was perfect. Because wow. that's a movie, I, I mean, if I would, if there was a movie that I want to show at Late Night Grain House, but I, I just can't find the rights to, that's one of them. I would love to show that movie at Late Night Grain House. What about The Fog? Yeah, well, <laughs> seems like every time we try to plan it, brother, <laughs> shit happens. You know, theater kicks you out. Breaks your heart. Pandemic starts. No. Breaks your heart. <laughs> it breaks your heart. Anyway, so, um, yeah, red screening. This is uh, something that I want to say Magnet may have picked up or somebody has picked it up, and uh, I think it's going to be readily available uh, late summer. What's uh, what's the letterbox rating? What'd you do? I gave it three stars. It's very middle of the road for me. Um, I mean, it's very well shot. So I'll, I'll you're you saying much. it's worth watching? Uh, I think it's worth watching for fans of giallo films or siege type films or films that take place in a movie theater Mm -hmm. Um, because it's also set back in 1993. So there's some nostalgic vibes to it. It takes place. Yeah. 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 Um, But other than that, and I will say like there's enough shots in the projection booth that kind of gave me some memories. It's like, Oh fuck. I remember doing this. So, uh, I mean, that's a personal thing, though. That's obviously not going to apply to everybody. But, um, yeah, it just it didn't hit a home. If anyone's hiring projectionist, uh, Andy is having. Dude, I kind of am. I literally went on eBay and it, tried to find the splicer. I'm sure the boys will hook you up. <laughs> they probably can get you a job, bud. You can go work at Marcus. Uh, no, everything's all programmed now in theaters, bud. And it's all digital. So I can't lace up a film. I'm talking about the physical relationship with it. What's a digit? Oh, yeah, what are you saying? Digits? Something? I'm just kidding. All films are care. digital. I now. don't care. Go ahead. <laughs> anyway. All right. So that was uh red screening. Okay. Let's get into our main topic. Are Please. you ready for this? Butcher <laughs> <laughs> All right, the film we're talking about is Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker, also known <laughs> also known as Night Screening or Night Screening. Wow, Night Warning, also known as Night Warning, also known as Nighthawk. <laughs> Shit, I love Nighthawks. <laughs> anyway, uh, this is a movie that I've always been fascinated in. Uh, for a long time, it wasn't very readily available. It was only available on VHS, which confused people because like the theatrical campaign was under Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker, but whenever it hit VHS, it was called Night Warning. Mm. And um, I actually have the VHS. Somebody gave me a copy. It's a thorny MI, I think, uh, release. But anyway, it did pretty well on home video, but... For a long time, it wasn't really available to see it very well. And uh, Code Red actually put it out on DVD 
So it was among the ranks of like nightmare, like scavenging yeah, yeah, yeah. nightmare and damage brain. But like who came up with either of the names? Because I don't, I don't feel like either of them no, makes any sense. None of them make sense because the butcher baker nightmare maker is definitely like obviously a play on like a nursery rhyme. Yeah, I get that. Right, but, but they could have at least made like these people's professions <laughs> in line with the No, that's the nursery that's rhyme. the nursery rhyme. Butcher Baker. Right, but then why was one of the men murdered? Oh, you mean like the actual moon? Oh, I don't know about that. I think that's just, it could have been called anything that was like a nursery rhyme. Like even night warning doesn't really make sense. Right. It's just like, uh, what, where are we getting this? Yeah. They're Um, just trying to do some kind of like kitty, kitty, you know. Yeah. Well, and that's what drew a lot of people to the movie because the tagline, I think, was a haunting rhyme for bedtime. Oh, good God. Yeah, because it's about a kid. Well, kind of. Not really. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I don't know. The name doesn't make sense. You're all, you you both you all right. Yeah. Um, so anyway, this is a very interesting film. And like I said earlier, we were when we watched Forbidden Zone and watched Susan Tyrell in that movie, I'm mm-hmm. like, you know what? The, the how I found out about Susan Tyrell was through this movie. She is just she shows you every range she can do in this fucking movie, in my opinion. And this is definitely, I think the reason why this movie has kind of lived on over the years is because of her performance. But there's also some really interesting kind of odd stuff about this movie. Uh, Number one, and this might be why we see kind of like this 50s, 60-ish version of uh, Susan Tyrell's character in this movie uh, is the director is William Asher. Do you know who that is? Nothing. Okay. So I forget what fucking, I think this is a bit from, um, the Netflix show with, Oh God, what the fuck is his name? Mm-hmm. Great. He directed the Colgate comedy hour. Oh yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I know that, but he also directed a couple of, I love Lucy episodes. Oh. And he moved into the Twilight Zone and like the Patty Duke show. Um, so he directed like some of these seminal 50s, 60s sitcoms and him delivering this movie yeah, is kind of like a, a perversion onto like the the nuclear family unit. Right. Yeah. So um, number one, this this was not my first time watch, but I think the last time I watched it was back on VHS. And was there any my question is for this, was there any difference? Because I mean I feel like a lot I of I mean this, I can see the, things a lot better. <laughs> yeah, but I meant like actual scenes. Some of the stuff's pretty you know, it's like, okay, well they was that the original or is this like no, uncut? Yeah. I don't I know, mean based you know. off of what I remember, there's not much of a difference between the cuts okay of the film um the big thing about this movie i mean it kind of gained some notoriety because like also there was a different director attached and the person we were talking about earlier jan de bont the guy who directed speed and also uh photographed die hard yeah um he was also on this movie uh i can't remember if he ended up sticking on to the film though Um, but what's this got like a big push into the Saturn awards. Are you familiar with the Saturn Awards? I've seen that listed on the cover of things I buy. Okay. So like, yeah, there (laughs) basically before there was like Fango awards or any appreciation in horror Saturn awards were kind of like the thing. They were the sci-fi 
horror fantasy award genre show. type award. Yeah. Okay. And um, this was really heavily pushed. It was like I think um, nominated for the best horror movie of 1982 uh, by the Academy of that's what the the Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films. That's who was behind the Saturn Award. Hmm. This film was released in 1982. Uh, apparently, it was re reissued theatrically under night warning in 1983 but i i don't know how well that run did but what's also interesting about this movie is the the gay characters and how they're handled so should we start with maybe a, a short synopsis oh yeah so let's, uh, yeah let's get let's get them up to that point because i feel like that's really the transition is when we start looking at them you know the first right big yeah. right so uh billy is well the should we i guess we should start off with the very start beginning. at the beginning yeah so uh aunt cheryl is holding young billy um and a young toehead yeah she's gonna babysit him while his parents go out on a vacation or something because they have uh clothes hanging out in the back. Oh yeah. Uh, so they're going somewhere. It's a vacation. Mommy it's not and, really told. Mommy and daddy are taking a trip. Here's here's your aunt. You're staying with your aunt. Yeah, yeah. You oh, curly, I'm going to watch them. You curly-headed fuck. <laughs> and anyway, the parents go on their trip and they're on some very windy roads in what I assume is like Oregon. It looked like California. Or Colorado. Colorado. Yeah, or Colorado. Ooh. Could be. Could be Colorado. Could be. Okay. But um, anyway, they they are going down these windy roads, and they're trying to hit the brake, and the brake is not working. So um, Billy's parents basically get a final destination log or death proof, whatever you want to say. <laughs> like there's a very explicit shot that for scene, 1982 man, lasts for holy shit. Uh, so great yeah, opener, great opener. The parents get killed in the car crash and a very gratuitous car crash, which it was funny though. I think we did laugh because the car didn't explode. Right. And then it, you wait like 30 seconds and then it has a shot that shows the explosion. But, uh, so Billy is essentially orphaned. Mm-hmm. But Aunt Cheryl becomes the mom mm-hmm. uh, or a mother-like figure. And 14 years later is when we jump jump ahead and he's in uh, school. He's a, what, a gifted back basketball Yeah, He's a senior. So, yeah. he's, so he's either, a, I think he's a junior or a senior. Junior or a senior. And yeah. he's, yeah, he's so good at basketball that he's definitely getting scouted. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, he's got a career ahead of him. His, you know, his idol. I think it was Doctor J, or I, I, I don't know who. Somebody <laughs> in a poster, and he just gave him the hey, hey. <laughs> the thumbs up. Um, but anyway, so uh, what happens is uh, he's got a girlfriend, and there's a moment when Aunt Cheryl <laughs> has this TV repairman over, and she basically comes on to him comes on to him Basically? assaults him i don't yeah. know how we went with let's, this let's, let's back up okay one, one second here first thing that happened prior to that and i i know the only reason i'm backing up is because my question is so 
Billy comes home. He's like, hey, the scouts are here. I might have a ride to go to college. So I might be going oh, to yeah, college. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, she no. freaks out. She Billy, freaks out. you know we're too poor she's, for that. Right. She's like, I've already set you up with a job when you graduate. You'll be set here. You know, I, I'm going to turn it. I'm going to make an apartment upstairs just for you so you could stay here. And he's like, no, I want to go. I want to start my own life. And I might have a free way to get there. But then she gaslights him and basically says, right. I, I threw away 14 years years right. of raising you i gave up everything right so and you know at this point she's trying she's trying mm. in her head to come up with ways to keep the boy there so my question is when she asked him to invite the tv repairman over mm. she said you, you know you see him you tell him to come here today yeah was she planning on that making a move on him i think so, so. that she could you can continue with where you so, are. So uh, the TV repairman comes over. She uh, flirts with him, then kind of exposes herself to him. She definitely <laughs> exposes herself to him. And he wants none of it. He's like, that's not what I'm going to do. But then he does say that one thing. You could take care of me. And then like goes to like, like work his on pants. it. Yeah, that's what he says, Ren. Get to work, work on, on it. it. And, and then she gets mad and it's like lady this is literally what you were asking for but now you're mad because he's taking the aggressive standpoint it doesn't make any sense she's clearly like not level headed but I mean what woman could be considered that with her chest exposed <laughs> so uh, things do not go her way I guess that's safe to say or or do they? Didn't they? Or do they? Um, and she ends up pulling a knife, like a butcher knife, and stabbing this dude once in the chest and then finally in the neck. And Billy comes home and sees this all through a window, just the stabbing. And he's like, actually, I think, I think he says, what the fuck? Pretty much. <laughs> and he comes in. He's like, what's going on? And then Aunt Carol or Carol, Aunt Cheryl says he tried to rape me and tries to put the blame on the guy who was dead and she's covered in blood smearing the blood all over Billy and Billy's just in shock he's just like what the fuck is going on and essentially he decides to kind of conspire with Aunt Cheryl because I think he was kind of forced into no, that. I, I don't yeah. even think it came up. I think what she said was I was raped and he's like, I don't know necessarily what I heard. But saw, I believe you. But I'm just gonna go with whatever you say. And he had the knife in his hand and then the her friends showed up. Yeah. And so that's kind of where I feel like the story kind of got evolved because mm -hmm. it was like, okay, now we're in this situation. There's a third party here. What are we saying? Oh, we're saying this. Okay, let's go with that. And then fucking Johnny Law shows up. Bo Svensson. Yeah. Which Johnny Law for a murder in a small town is one guy inside, one guy out. <laughs> yeah. And the guy inside is this like, who is he? What's his name? Bo Svensson. Bo so Svensson. he was in Walking Tall. Yeah. Uh, he's also in the original Inglorious Bastards. He's a Swedish American actor. Um, yeah. He, oh, wow. He actually, yeah. Walking Tall part two. He was Buford Pusser because, uh, Walking Tall One was um, Joe Don Baker. That's mm -hmm. that's the name. That's a real yeah. name. Yeah, that is a real. That's name. the name of a person. Anyway, so Bo Svensson becomes Buford Pusser in uh, uh, Part Two. Um, 
But he was also in, like I said, the original Inglorious Bastards. Uh, yeah, he's not a great actor, number one. But yeah, I wasn't. It wasn't that. I mean, it's just one of those. He's a character you hate, and yes. you're supposed you're to. supposed to. So he's a piece of shit. yeah, he's a piece of shit. But honestly, no, I thought he was fine. I, I mean, yeah, he's tag. I mean, there's a little bit of cheese on everything, you know. Yeah, e- even your girl, man. You know, no, I know she I know. she's hamming it most oh, yeah. of the time, but it's what you want. She's so an Academy Award nominated actress, Dude, she's, <laughs> she's something. She acts a motherfucker. So anyway, um, as as the plot kind of uh, wraps up, we find out that the TV repairman was actually gay. It, so it doesn't really make sense. The like blowjob or. Inuation that well, he okay, at so the end, like, mouth take to care mouth, of me. No, I mean, yeah, mouth to mouth. But yeah, so he turns out the the TV repairman that just got murdered turned out to be gay, and his lover is the coach, the basketball coach. Yes, um, that coaches Billy at high school. Yeah. So, and that's just not okay. It automatically means he's a pervert. Yeah. So, Bo Svensson, in his very close-minded self, is a cowboy. Um. Yeah, he he like throws around the F word and I, I mean, mean this is definitely eighty two. So this is it. So he originally he's trying to stick the kid with the murder because what he thinks is that there's some kind of love gay love triangle going on in his town and it involves a student, a yeah. teacher, and a TV repairman. Complete with a scene that shows it too. Right. And it also it, for him it's like, well, you know, he couldn't have tried to rape you. He was gay. But then it comes to find out the guy was actually married before he, be, you know, came out or it mm-hmm. didn't come out. Maybe he was just whatever, you know, living his life. But yeah, it, it becomes a huge like, well, if he would never have come on to you because he was gay or, you know, the other thing was, is this a love triangle? Were you trying? Was he coming over for like an affair with this young boy? Right. And it just turns into this whole like gobbledygook of shit that like it almost is at this point it stops and it doesn't show up till the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. It's like it's honestly the character I don't think needed to be in this movie at all, especially the ending. I don't want to jump there, but I'm just saying like, it's like, it just felt tacked on. It does feel a little tacked on. And it's on, like, for sure. just to wrap this whole thing about the gay thing. I right. Mean, right. I don't know. But, um, I, I continue do, with the story. Anyway, I, I do like how the, um, the characters are more or less kind of portrayed in the film, especially for being in 82. They're pretty reserved. You mean they're not flaming yes. gay? Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, because they were they very don't masculine like males. A caricature no. of gay. Well, like Revenge for the Nerd. Revenge for the Nerd. Yeah. Well, was one of many. Lamar? No, one of them's a TV repairman, blue collar job, and mm-hmm. the other is a basketball, basketball coach. coach. Who very had, masculine. Who was given the option know? to either, you know, go ahead and retire or, you know, we're going to lynch you. Yeah. Yeah. That's what Bose Fenton, the cop, says, which, you know. And he calls Billy a limp wrist. Oh my God. Yeah. I was just getting was, so upset. Yeah. With like his form of basketball. Like, yeah. You just, well, throw the reason you're not making the shot is keep your, your end loose. 
Your limp wrist limp. God. <laughs> what the fuck. But anyway, we, we've come to find out that Susan Tyrell, if you haven't figured it out, is fucking insane. Aunt Cheryl has lost her goddamn mind. And throughout the whole movie, we get the possible suggestion that she wants to have some she relationship wants to fuck that child. with Billy. So. Well, and then the other thing is, so it's not even like a big thing, but she keeps walking and she basically has like an homage to this ex-lover of hers. Yeah. That it, it's kind of thrown in. Sloppily. Like if you've ever seen Hey Arnold, it's definitely like what <laughs> Helga G. Pataki has of Arnold in her closet. <laughs> so you're automatically thinking in the beginning of the film that, you know, the aunt might have had something to do. So after especially the first murder, you're like, oh, yeah. she might have killed her sister and her husband, blah, 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 to take this kid. And basically, you're just seeing a lot of, like, in and outs of her just being real sketchy. And then why does she want to keep this kid so much? Like, why is she so creepy to this kid? Right. And so you're built up with that. And then uh, then she starts obsessing about him and his girlfriend. And then the cop uh, eventually, like, starts approaching the girlfriend being like, hey, you know, you guys making it? And she's yeah. just like, no, I'm not telling you that. And basically, he's trying to prove that this kid's gay. So that he can put pin this so murder on him. inappropriate. Right. So he, he's an awful detective. But then the other, de- <laughs> the, the only, the guy who's sat outside eventually finds out they they are doing it, you know, and is like basically like this cop's kind of crazy. Like there's actually not a case here. Right. The, what this actually works in your boyfriend's favor. Right. This is, is all. Thing. Yeah. This is all not adding up. And this cop's kind of going in one direction. The other cop's like trying to figure it out. Um, yeah, he's trying to actually figure out the story where, whereas both Fenson's characters on a just mission like fucking to just, mission to eradicate homosexuals. Pretty much. Yeah. And child molestation's up right. 3%. Right. From it, what? But it's also kind of interesting because, I mean, that's like what the general fucking American view was back then. Right. He's a QAnoner. And and essentially this video, or this video, this movie is kind of commenting on that. I mean, like, yeah, we're going to give this very stereotypical view on homosexuals to this guy, but we're also going to have these characters can, that say, no, that guy's wrong. And yeah. I like the well, moral compass. Yeah, they of don't. The, well, that was yeah. the question I asked you. I kept looking over and being like, "Are they? Are they going to paint this cop out to be a good guy, or am I supposed to think he's scummy?" Because at that time in history and film, you wouldn't usually see them portraying necessarily a kind of a bigoted person right. in a bad light, right. because. Well, we just didn't know any better, you know, whatever. It was just part of the time. It was just part of the time. Yeah. But right they really there. did point it out and made him look pretty shabby bad. Like, he just didn't oh, look yeah. like a good guy. You mean uh, like when he has the Hispanic man in his office mm. and makes him sit on the floor yeah. while he points a gun in his face? Yeah, a little that's bit. a little bit. Um. (laughs) Main star of this movie, though, is no doubt Susan Tyrell. This girl. Yeah, because I mean, really, where we're at this point in the story, you know, that's when she starts to just shine because she goes full fucking crazy. But I also like the physical transformation she goes under. So she does cut her hair. And honestly, that's kind of how her hair looked. Like, if you go watch uh, the movie Angel that she's in, she kind of has that same haircut. And that's around the same time. I want to say 84, 85. Angel came out. So she may have been wearing a wig at the beginning, but I. I would also believe it if 
she was a method actress and was like, no, I'm going to cut my hair to shit later. I bet and that's would. what I'm going to do I because bet I bet would. she would. I bet she would. Yeah. And what I also love about this movie is like, so she does literally, I would say at the beginning of this film, she looks very well put together. She's kind of this fifties lady. Yeah. yeah. Normal fifties, sixties kind of stereotype. She's got the flip where she's kind of looking like a, a housewife. Like she's fitting into that demographic, but she's by the done as much as she can for this boy. Right, right. She's trying to play the yeah, mom. It's funny because she has yeah. By the end of it, she has a shaw. She's she's the haggard old lady. Yeah, and she like arches her back. Yeah, like it's a very physical performance. She turns Jekyll out and Hyde towards the end, and yeah, it, it is actually kind of based on Jekyll and Hyde, kind of. Um, but we find out some very crazy things. I don't really want to spoil no, them. I don't, don't think we should. I don't think we should. Because I think this is a movie that deserves to be checked out. Um, especially if you have no clue who Susan Tyrell is, you will after this movie. You'll be like, oh, fuck, I need to watch more of that woman's stuff. Yeah, the, I would say the last 30 minutes is pretty damn near just in, it's intense. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just watching her well, it's funny crazier and crazier and crazier. I go from, like, Instagram to reality, like, real quick. <laughs> right. <laughs> when, when I saw this movie on VHS, you know, like, I think even the VHS says, like, Saturn-nominated, you know, winner or whatever. It has the accolades on the VHS tape that, you know, scream, oh, this is an amazing film. It was nominated for a Saturn award, which really meant nothing to the general public. But for horror fans or people that read like Starlog or Fango, yeah. they would know exactly what that is. And like, holy shit, this must be one cool fucking horror movie. And for three fourths of the movie, it is not a horror movie. It's more of a drama. Yeah. Uh, in fact, like how the movie starts reminds you of a television film. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it, it's kind of funny how if you look at the progression of Susan Tyrell's character, it is almost like a sitcom mom portrayal of a character that goes way south by the end of it. Well, her when she's like on and being the mom, she's right. like, oh, she's so great. She's got great friends. She's a caring figure. I mean... And then that switch. Yeah. yeah. Like when she hears like a, a knock on a door or something, she right. goes from being Whoa. like... Coming. Lots of like, milk in this movie too. So we did not milk. so much milk, but I, you know, like you were saying, it could be a very very '80s made for TV. You know, honestly, this story could have gone to, oh, Billy was gonna get the scholarship, but then he got Julie knocked up, and yeah. like you think it's that story, yeah, like yeah. it almost could be that story, but then it, nope, doesn't go that no. way, doesn't no. go that way. And then he smoked a joint, and his <laughs> life just took a turn for the worse. Took a turn for the worse. But no, I mean, I think uh, by the end of the film, that's when like the last fourth of the film is when it becomes a horror movie and you have Susan Tyrell with a fucking machete trying to chop the shit out of people or the uh, <laughs> the meat mallet or the meat mallet. Yeah. Oh, God. Very midsummer. Of her. Yeah. But she, that whole scene is essentially when she like turns it up to fucking 15 on the acting dial. And she There's just another goes round steak in the fridge <laughs> if you want to join me after she's been crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I, I absolutely love this movie and I'm very happy that I got to rewatch it on uh, in HD. Now we watched it on Shudder which is it's on shutter. If you have that service, 
I have the Blu-ray, but I literally did a collector thing and I'm like, oh, I don't want to unwrap it. Oh, God. It's worth money. I hate you. I know. I hate myself. <laughs> I can't even remember if there's shit on there, like special features or anything. Well, I guess you'll never find out. No. Nope. Since you want to uh, no, collect it. I'll, I'll get it. And if there's special features, I'll probably, especially if there's an audio commentary by Susan Tyrell. Oh, Tyrell, my God. I'll fucking watch it oh, right fuck. now. Freaking watch it right now. Watch it show her. What did you guys think of the movie overall? I liked it. Oh yeah, I, I mean over. I I think Letterbox score three and a half. Um, I think it's definitely schlocky. It's really gross and really kind of icky at times. All yeah. the milk. Um, not so, even the so. Milk I can't <laughs> traditionally score it. You know, very high because I feel like you know. It is what it is, and it's great at what it is. I think it's a great movie. I would say it's at least as good as Maniac. Like, I honestly yeah. would put it up in there because I also feel the same about Maniac. I teeter, like, on three and a half to four stars with it. I think the thing that would I'd push almost, me over to four is Susan Tyrell's if, performance. If the ending didn't have that tack on, yeah, I, I would have given it four stars. Honestly, no if doubt. it would have end quick... Like I wanted it, it didn't yeah. do that, though. They decided to continue that cop story. Yeah, and yeah I, that was a I bad didn't, move. I appreciated it because like you guys said, it was addressing something that wasn't being addressed at the time. So now as a person who's, you know, in our culture now, yeah, I see that as a positive thing. Yeah. But it didn't really need to be part of it. No, it didn't. It could have been the other guy. Honestly, the other cop would have been sufficient because be he was actually being diligent and yeah. like, I don't know. But it's also kind of, it's just without another- spoiling it, it's kind of nice for that ending it was almost like the youth are like no we we stand up for the gays yeah like they're people too (laughs) revolutionary yeah uh i i mean yeah the ending i feel is very tacked on but i also feel it serves a purpose throughout the whole it wraps itself up for sure i I was worried it wasn't going to and then it was gonna really kind of ruin it for me but it actually that little extra segment did wrap itself up neatly too kinda so i don't know yeah and had the animal house like scroll at the end (laughs) and this is where billy's at now (laughs) yeah did it did smoking doobies at the boys it it just did a freeze frame and it told you what happened after the ending which i thought was kind of unnecessary but whatever um anyway butcher baker nightmare maker or night warning whatever you want to call it um i'm gonna go with butcher baker nightmare maker because that's what it was released as and it's a cooler title than i think we should have just called it auntie cheryl or something (laughs) auntie cheryl's playhouse auntie cheryl's milk milk yeah, that's what you should have called it. <laughs> yeah. Milk. Milk. Yeah. Auntie's milk. milk. <laughs> anyway, uh, this is available on Shutter. If you can find, I think I sold the DVD for $30. Damn. And the Blu-ray goes for stupid amounts of money, but you cool. might be able to get it cheap every once in a while through hmm. like Ronin Flicks. Okay. Uh, or maybe even Dark Force Superstore if you want to go through there. Uh, that's That's totally up to you. I totally understand why you wouldn't want to buy through them but um again it's on shutter utilize the service it's only like six bucks a month hey everybody future andy here just editing the podcast and wanted to let you know in between the recording and the release of this episode kino lorber has announced that they will be putting out a essentially a re-release of butcher baker nightmare maker it's the same release that was put out in 2017 and the one that I'm talking about on the show. 
And this will come with uh, different artwork, slightly different artwork, reversible artwork, and a slipcase. And that will be available on August 3rd through Kino Lorber. So if you do want to own the Blu-ray of this, which I would highly recommend, and I think Ren and Niles would as well, uh, it will be available on August 3rd. Anyway, back to the show before we close it out. So, uh, yeah, that'll do it for episode 71. Uh, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Niles Maddox 22. You can find me on Instagram as Rinstelgram, which is R-I-N-N-S-T-L-G-R-A-M. And you can also find my uh, Etsy page if you're uh, into you. Etsy things. It's Madam Maddox Makes. There's also the corresponding Instagram page for that. Yes. And you can find me on Treefy on Twitter. <laughs> you can, <laughs> you can find me on me. Treefy.com. Uh, no, you can find me at Twitter, uh, Instagram at Treefy, T-R-I-E-F-Y, as a collective at Destroy the Brain on Instagram, at DTB Horror on Twitter, and join our Discord, which is discord.destroythebrain.com. All right, so our killer track is actually called Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker. Sometimes, obviously, you probably figured it out. Our killer tracks are usually tried to tie into the movie. We couldn't really find a song that ties into this movie, but we did find a song called Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker. The artwork actually uses the fucking logo. The band is called Devil's Dildo. Enjoy. Thank you. Yeah. Woo. Woo.